Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Series. This is a show where we watch a genre of movies every month, and we choose the best <laughs> of that genre. So, we are in Quentin Tarantino month, and this is going to be Katie and I doing an episode. So, we did Reservoir Dogs, and that was a very early one, and that was the one that helped Quentin Tarantino explode on the scene in a way, because the movie came out, and it did all right, but when Pulp Fiction happened, that made people go back and check out Reservoir Dogs, which made it awesome, so Pulp Fiction came out two years later after Reservoir Dogs, so this is 1994, and around this time, Quentin Tarantino was able to snatch up tons of people, and then it's it's absolutely crazy how he can get so many awesome people in his movies. And so his company, A Band Apart, at the beginning of his tenure as a director, he got tons of money. Well, he got a deal from Jersey Films for a million because of Reservoir Dogs. And they were like, okay, we, we know you you got this. And then he got some more money because... When it came to Miramax, the script came to Miramax. It was then an independent studio, but it was recently acquired by Disney. And so Miramax is Disney's crazy rated R side fellow. They're like, oh, this movie's a little too wild to have Disney on there. When did they get owned by Disney? In the 90s. I want to say at some point they split off. But yeah. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't think they still are... I mean, owned by Disney. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I know in the nineties and stuff. Let's find out right now. That's what that's what Disney did. They're like, this movie's a bit too much to have Disney's name on it. We'll send it over to Miramax. Every company has usually has a kid department, and it has a different name, and they have a rated R hard well, wild yeah. movie. And Disney is section. just Disney. That's their kid department. But they also have um, what did they do? TriStar? Yeah, that's what they I They owned, I think, for a while. Or maybe Columbia TriStar they owned for a minute. Because whatever, um, however they released Nightmare Before Christmas. Because they didn't release that under the Disney name. Yeah. And it wasn't released under Miramax. It was released under some other yeah. production company. Because they didn't think it was going to do well. Yeah, that too. When they're nervous about a movie doing good, they're like, eh, let's put it over there. Just in case. And if it does good, they're like, oh, that's ours. <laughs> Just like with Nightmare Before Christmas later on. It's got its own goddamn... Well, sometimes it has its own goddamn ride at Disneyland. Okay. Subsidiaries of Disney include huh. the Walt Disney World Resort. So all the resorts. Uh, Hulu, Pixar, 20th Century Fox, Marvel, ABC, Lucasfilm, uh, Disney Media Entertainment Distribution, Walt Disney Studios, which is different, Blue Sky Studios, which is different, Walt Disney Television, Fox Networks Group, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment, which is straight to DVD stuff, uh, the Walt Disney Company Japan, ESPN, Baby TV, uh, Disney Theatrical Productions Limited, which is who the fuck knows what the hell that Probably is. Probably the ice stuff. <laughs> they do so much. They have like 15 different things called Disney something animation yeah. that's all different things. Uh, Touchstone, that's the there one that go. did, uh, I think that's the one that did Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Imagineering is its own thing, A&E Networks, uh, Disney Travel, Cartoon Pizza, Hollywood Records, Skywalker Sound, 
Disney Digital Network, Disney Branded Television, Image Movers, ABC Signature, Fox Entertainment. Like, it's outrageous. And Bella. So many things. They own Bella. No, they don't. We own Bella. You can't have her, Disney. We will never sell. If they wanted me to give her up for a billion dollars, I would, but then I would steal her back. How dare you? No, I'd get the money and then finance a heist to steal her back and be like, where's my goddamn cat I sold to you? And they're hearing me out in the back room. Sir, was that a cat? No, not at all. Why Why do you have cat hair on your shirt? I don't know. And then Bella walks out and they're like, sir. <laughs> like, Bella, run. They could, like, I would sign up for a... You can watch my cat do shit so you can put her in a movie. Oh, she'd be not a good actress. No, for their animation department. Oh, you know yeah, how they like cute. Yeah. They, like, brought live lions into the studio to animate for... To learn how lions move and to properly animate them for the Lion King. I'd do that for Bella. They could watch her, like, attack in strings. That's pretty much all she does. And get belly rubbed, so... Yeah. <laughs> so... Being that Miramax just became part of Disney, Pulp Fiction has the cool fun fact of being the first Miramax project to get a green light after the acquisition from Disney. I I don't know what they told them this movie was going to be, but they probably left out Bruce Willis's storyline. For sure. So, (laughs) it was budgeted at number, I will bring up later for Katie, but then... This is the first movie that Miramax completely financed, and then... It was the Disney's very first acquisition. Oh, cool. That was the first foray into Disney's gonna own the world, guys. Mm-hmm. And now look where we're at. 75 Star Wars and Marvel movies in. Yeah, look at us now. They're raising the prices of their app, because they need money. <laughs> yeah, they need money. They own 72 different things, but... Oh. Hey, hey, we're going up five bucks, y'all. Yeah, they own... We need money. Marvel and Star Wars and the Muppets and all the things and... broke ass out of here, Disney. Fox and... If you can't own all the things, stop buying it, you dickheads. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the... It also helped that Bruce Willis, his name was attached to this film. Even though he was in a couple of flops at this point, he was still awesome overseas. That's why the Terminator movies fucking survived because overseas Arnold Schwarzenegger is still a gigantic name and that's why these movies happen I want to say the Die Hard films also do great overseas and so that's why they keep making them even though he's getting older and older (laughs) actually he is I think officially done doing movies because he has a what a hearing or his sight Mm -hmm. one of his senses is really fucked up so he can't do movies as well He'll probably do small roles and things, but... So, like I said, Pulp Fiction. If you don't know about Pulp Fiction, you should know something about it. There have been so many different nods to this. Hey, you remember in Space Jam, when Sylvester and Elmer Fudd, they just had suits on, and they shot that one Monstar's teeth out with with guns? You want to know what that's from? It's from Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Hey, you remember that episode of The Simpsons when Chief Wiggum was crossing the street with donuts in his hand and Snake ran him over with a car? That's from Pulp Fiction. (laughs) There's tons of nods in our world to this. I love that they always use the same song, too. Yeah. Whenever they, like, whenever anyone throws in a Pulp, yeah, when anyone throws in a Pulp Fiction reference, they throw in Miserloo. Hey, uh, fucking Black Eyed Peas made a song called Pump It, and it's legit that guitar lick. 
yeah. all through the movie. And Trumpet Lick. Uh, this is one of those films that actually became, I forgot what year it happened, in 2013 it became one of the films that is preserved by the United States National Film Registry, uh, Cong- Library of Congress, as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So it's in this little group with fucking Alien <laughs> and tons of other movies that I absolutely love. I don't think Ferris Bueller stays off in there, but it should be because it's really, really good. But this movie, it's it, it's crazy. Uh, a lot of people say that it's so it's self-referential because it it seems like they some people kind of know that they're in something weird and it makes jokes about itself and it's just absurd. But this m- movie, it's what's the word? Well, self-referential, but it has another postmodern film. So. With postmodernist films, they subvert the mainstream conventions of narrative structure. So, like with this movie, just like with Kill Bill, the movie starts with the bride fighting Vivica Fox. Technically, that should be the end of the first movie, but they did that part at the beginning. And it's like, who is she fighting? Why did she kill Vivica Fox? What would that? What did that mean? Why is she in a van called Pussy Wagon as she drives away? You don't need to know at that point and this movie it is it just jumps around there's no real aesthetic reason why it hops around the way it does you do see people longer because of that because some people go down and if they played this movie the right way they'd be dead like 20 minutes in they'd be like oh well, that sucks so you get to see him later in the movie but this this movie's fun uh, the dialogue, it's a Quentin Tarantino film, and he's getting better at the whole, this whole scene is just them walking and talking, but what they're saying has so much weight to it that it just works, and I love anytime he can have Samuel Jackson in one of his films, because Samuel Jackson is inadvertently going to probably be the main character in the movie, just like with Hateful Eight, well, he is kind of the main character in that movie. They make it seem that it's Kurt Russell because he's the hangman. But no, it's Samuel Jackson's story <laughs> with his junk shot out. But uh, this this movie's great. I, I, I love it. I love all the stories. It's crazy stuff. So, uh, Katie, but what did you think about Pulp Fiction? Just a, a thumbs up, thumbs down, and just something quick about it. Mm, thumbs up. It was very interesting to finally understand all of the fucking references that everybody (laughs) makes to it. Like, I've known that Pulp Fiction has existed forever. I've seen the gifs and the memes. Like, I had a general idea of, like, the people and the characters that were in it and kind of what they do. But hadn't ever watched the movie. Um, So, it was interesting. And after having watched several other... um, Quentin Tarantino films that are all kind of related, kind of, to this movie. Um, It was really interesting connecting the different characters to the characters in this movie, because what the fuck? Like, Quentin Tarantino is wild as hell when he'd just be putting in, like, oh yeah, that's this guy's brother, like, from this movie that we made 30 years later. Like, (laughs) He he, he loves his connections. It's his great, 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 great grandson. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I I love it. So, just like we said in Hateful Eight, uh, Tim Roth's character is... Ooh, he has ancestors. I want it. It's not the Vegas. 
someone in I want to say either Pulp Fiction or oh no in uh what's Inglorious Bastards yeah it's Fassbender's character yeah. I believe Tim Roth has a has a someone in Inglorious Bastards and then Chris Maddox there's a Maddox in this yeah. as well so from Hateful Eight and then uh the Vegas yeah it's it's fun and red apple cigarettes they keep popping up everything. and big kahuna burger remember <laughs> so like i said this movie comes out it's the narrative it's narrative structure is all out of order and like i said there's a reason to that so you see people later but uh at the end when after i explain everything and i'm gonna explain it story by story i'm not gonna do it the way they do it well we'll see because no just do it story by story it's too difficult to go back and forth yeah, it, it's it's a mess. So, I, yeah, it's fun. But after that, I'll I'll show you how it should be the the this timeline. So, the first story we meet up with Hitman, Jules, and Vincent, Vincent Vega. Hey, it's crazy ass brother got lit up probably before this movie. I guess I don't even know yeah, when Reservoir Dogs happens in well, the timeline. Well, and there's no the real movie. timeline of this movie either. They yeah. Don't, they don't ever like, oh yeah, this is definitely the '90s, or this is definitely the '80s, or this is definitely like the late '70s. It could be any one of those because the technology. That's the fun part about technology. Like you can't tell in the before times. Before we had smartphones. Before we had cell phones. Really, you couldn't tell w- what year it was in yeah. movies. Like any movie from like 1970 to 1999, basically. Couldn't tell, because nobody had fucking cell phones. Nobody had any type of special technology on them. No one was, like, talking about CD players, really. It's just like, oh, this is ambiguous. Could have happened anywhere in this 30-year span. But nowadays, you watch a movie from, like, I don't know, 2010, and you're like, oh, that's a Razer phone. That was clearly made 2007. Or, like, this movie was filmed in 2007. Or that's an iPhone. Like, this movie was... There's a tiny iPhone. This movie was made in, like, the early 2010s. You know, you can t- you can gauge things in the last, like, decade or so by how quickly the technology in the movies have advanced. Oh, yeah. But you cannot tell from, like, the 70s to the 90s. It could be anywhere, especially with Tarantino, because yeah. he likes to do things... Like period uh, pieces, kind of. Well, on, and on that special film, so everything kind of looks older anyways. Oh, yeah. That's just his style, the way that he enjoys making films, so... And it's funny, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, his name is Jules, but in this movie, he was supposed to have a gigantic afro, but the wigs that they had just didn't work for some scenes, but they had a jerry curl wig. And so that's why Samuel Jackson has a jerry curl in this movie. I I like it. I didn't... I actually thought it was, was his hair, but it makes sense that it wasn't. Like, you know... I thought it was his hair, too. I thought he just had that kind of hair when he was, like, in the 90s when this movie was made. He probably didn't have that much hair, but then they were like, no, I want a jerry curl. So he saw the jerry curl wig and was like, I want a jerry curl. So, so Hitman, Jules, and Vincent, they arrive at a part, an apartment... To get a briefcase for their boss, Marcellus Wallace. We'll talk about him in a little bit. So, they are talking about what they're going to do later that night. Or in the next few days. And Jules finds out that Vincent's going to take Marcellus's wife out on a friend trip to dinner. But it's not a date. Vincent just 100% says it's not a fucking date. 
because Jules tells Vincent, well, he Vincent knows a little bit about this too, but the last person that tried to get busy with Marcellus's wife got thrown out of a window and lands multiple stories down into a what, greenhouse and it fucked him up. And he kind of has a speech impediment now just because he gave his wife a foot massage. And Jules doesn't understand how a foot massage is that important in life. But Vincent's like, nah, bro, the way I do foot massages, <laughs> it it means, it fucking means something. <laughs> but it's, they talk to each other like they're actual friends. Like, I could see me and, like, Greg or Steve just talking about something. Like, dude, he didn't deserve to get fucked up like that because of a foot massage, you know. But they get ready, and they head into the apartment of their business partner, Brett. So, in this scene, a couple times, they actually say Brad, like Samuel Jackson says Brad, because I want to say Brett's character, his name is actually, no, it's actually, his his name is Frank in real life. Hey, that's the bad guy from Little Monsters. Remember that Fred Savage movie I like? Boy, that's him, older, before he got into the Luke Cage show and, and was that crooked cop with Misty. So... They talk about different things while they're in the room, and this is one of the those quotable moments. So, Brett keeps saying what to every question he has. He's like, well, why did you do this to Marcellus Wallace? He's like, does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? He's like, what? He's like, say what again? And this is one of those quotes you probably have heard in your life. You know, he's like, say what again, motherfucker? I dare you. I double dare you. And he's like, does he look like a bitch? And he says, what? And he gets shot in the leg. And he's like, you know, does he look like a bitch? He's like, no. He's like, then why'd you try to fuck him like one Brett? <laughs> and he's like, the only person that can fuck Marcellus Wallace is his wife. So Brett was trying to double cross Marcellus and sell off whatever was in this briefcase, I believe. That's the thing he was double crossing. Vincent finds the briefcase. We don't know what it is because it's one of those MacGuffins. It's the thing in a movie where it's like, if Katie, I don't know, she was trying to get to Vegas for reason. And they don't really fully explain the reason. It's just a story, just to push the narrative along. That's kind of what it is. But the briefcase, when you open it, it has a yellow glow to it. And everyone stops when they see it. And so, there are tons of theories. Some people say it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. And later on, you see that Marcellus Wallace has... A bandage on the back of his head and back in the day that used to be where people said you could take someone's soul out with so in other cultures so a lot of people said that that was his soul and that's why he acts so terrible because he didn't have a soul i don't know but i like to say that it was a briefcase full of soul and vincent you know jules tells him he's like is, is that what we're looking for is that is that it and vincent looks at it and he's like oh yeah yeah we're good this is it and he like it, like I said, it's weird. Everyone sees it, they like stop. So as Brett is sitting there with a bullet in his leg, very scared about his life, Vince, no, Jules, he says a passage from the Bible, and it is Ezekiel twenty-five. So twenty-fifth chapter of the book of Ezekiel, and this one, and actually, it's a hodgepodge of quotes, and it's like. Uh, great and furious anger, and you will know that I am the Lord, and just, it's pretty scary sounding, but then later on he explains that 
and think, oh, I'm the shepherd or I'm the lamb. But it's a really cool thing to say before you kill somebody, as he says later. And they blow away Brett, Flock of Seagulls guy on the couch, and that's it. Because Phil Lamar, hey, it's Samurai Jack's voice and tons of other people in video, in video games and cartoons. He is just sitting in the corner scared because he didn't want to get shot. So they take... Mm, should I do their full story? Uh, no, I guess we have to break it up. Okay, because... Because it doesn't make sense to tell their whole story because then the later story isn't going to make sense. Okay, because, yeah, because when they get to the... Yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. So, more happens in the apartment, but we'll talk about that later. So, they take the briefcase to Marcellus and they wait to talk to him as he is talking to a boxer named Butch. Hey, it's Bruce Willis. And he tells him that he's going to take a dive in his match that's coming up. I think it was in the fifth. He's going to go down. And he tells Butch, you know, I know you got a weird feeling in your chest right now. And that, that that's pride, you know. But that's pride fucking with you because you're old. And you don't got that many matches left in you. And this is a big old bag of money, bud. So take the dive. It's the smart choice. Don't Don't be that guy. And Butch says, oh, okay. He nods. He doesn't really verbally... He doesn't want to confirm it verbally, but he he says he's gonna do it. So, the next day, Vincent, he purchases heroin from his drug dealer. But his heroin, he has... Um, no, heroin comes in a powder, right? Oh, yeah, but he keeps it because she thinks it's cocaine. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> he has uh, heroin from his drug dealer, Lance. And he shoots up and he meets up with Marcellus's wife, Mia. And they head out to Jackrabbit Slim's, and it's a 1950s-themed restaurant. There actually are some that are real in the world, and I thought it was pretty cool-looking place. And so, it's like the restaurant... There's rest- a bunch of cameos in that scene, too. Yeah. Well, it's like the restaurant from Back to the Future Part 2 that Michael J. Fox goes into, and it's like, this was back in the day, and it's like, the robot was like ronald reagan's face and just all these things from back in the day i think what beat it was playing on the radio when he came in so it's just hey this was the past y'all it was crazy so they meet at jack rabbit slims or they they drive there and mia tells vincent not to be a and she makes the shape of a rectangle but she means square and they actually make the shape and it's a rectangle i've never understood that but you know and they participate in a twist contest and they win. They were the best at twisting. Even though <laughs> the, they barely did the twist. They were yeah. doing a whole bunch of other shit. <laughs> so, it, it's funny. Um, the second they got on stage to dance, they take off their shoes. And Katie's like, ugh. <laughs> she, she, she expects it now. She's like, god damn it. So, but it wasn't like zoom in on her, sh- on her feet or anything like that. Yeah, just ignore the fact that there was a full five-minute conversation earlier about a foot massage and just At least they didn't show a gross. foot. They showed it right here. Gross. Yeah, at least it wasn't zoomed also, in. Also, Uma Thurman is tall. She got some big-ass feet. Yeah, she does. She's a big gal. Yeah, she's tall as hell. I wonder if her daughter's got gigantic feet like her. She looks lanky Maya? like her. I don't think so. She looks she's lanky not, like her. She's not nearly as tall as she is. Yeah. Because standing next to Joe Curie, she's like six inches shorter than he is. Yeah. He's Ethan not Hawk's a giant. Not, yeah, Ethan Hawke's not super tall. That's a shame. Could have got her Amazonian mom's <laughs> height. But they looks like they're hitting it off, and they're pretty. You know, she's three inches shorter than her mom. Oh damn! So 
Okay. So it looks like it's going pretty good. And, you know, Vincent is playing it cool. Playing it cool. Because he doesn't want to get thrown out of a window. (laughs) I understand him. Also, he's high as fuck. Yes. Oh, in the restroom. (laughs) Mia, she's at at the window. And so Steve and I, we say this all the time. But she snorts cocaine in the restroom of Jackrabbit Slims. And she says, I said, God damn. <laughs> God damn. And then she like wipes her nose. So they're both just stupid high. They make it back to Mia's home. And I forgot. She explains to Vincent that she was in a pilot for a show that didn't work out. But it was about five women. And they were assassins. And they worked for a guy. And he was their leader. That sounds kind of like Kill Bill Otis. Well, yes. It kind of is. And that's, this is the area of time where Uma Thurman and Quentin Tarantino came up with the idea for Kill Bill was because of her scene in this movie. And they worked on it for years. And then Quentin's like, I want to make a movie with you. You're going to be my star in this. And you're going to be awesome. And she's like, okie dokie. And then she became awesome. So Vincent takes her home. And they are chilling. And he goes to the restroom because he says, I'm going to have one drink, maybe two. And I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I'm going home, jerking off, and I'm going to bed. Because I'm not fucking this up, and I'm not getting thrown out of a window later. (laughs) Because it looks like they're actually hitting it off, which is not a good thing (laughs) for your boss's wife. So he's like, I'm getting out of here. Unfortunately, Mia was wearing Vincent's jacket. The same jacket where he has a baggie of heroin in it. So, being that she snorted cocaine earlier, she thinks that the baggie... It's cocaine. But no, sir, it's heroin. And she snorts it and instantly is like, oh, oh, I don't feel right. And starts to overdose. So Vincent calls up Lance, his drug dealer, and drives her over there. And Lance is like, why the fuck did you bring her here? (laughs) And he's like, I didn't know what to do. I'm not taking her to the hospital. So Lance tells Vincent that they have to shoot her with a shot of adrenaline into her heart. We gotta just jumpstart her body. That's the only thing that's gonna work. And Lance is like, I'm not fucking doing it. I'm not stabbing this chick in the heart with a giant fucking needle for like an elephant. So Vincent stabs Mia in a chest with the shot of adrenaline. And she wakes up and she's like, What the fuck? Why is there a needle in my chest? And she's confused. And he drives her home. And Mia, they both agree that. Maybe we shouldn't tell Marcellus about this because he's going to kill me and he might not be that happy about you being really dumb and snorting heroin. So let's just keep this a little secret between us. So I thought that was that was a really cool story. It came out of nowhere. And fun fact, his drug dealer, Lance, he was in a movie called The Mask, not the Jim Carrey one, the one where he plays Rocky Dennis. I forgot what disease it is. But he has the lumpiest face ever. It's like elephantitis, right? I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We used to joke about Matt Smith. He does kind of look like that. Because Matt Smith's got a big ass forehead. He really does. I love him, but he got a fat fucking forehead. He has a five head. And Rocky Dennis Dennis has like a seven and a half head. So it makes sense. So next jump. Holy shit. We see, hey, it's Christopher Walken. Uh, Oh, from uh, Victor Crowley. It's me, uh, Christopher, uh, a walkin', right? Did you get that? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're Christopher Walken. 
So Christopher Walken comes up to a young butch, and he tells him about his dad. And his dad's not coming home from the war, but he has something special for him. It's a pocket watch that has gone through the years of Butch's family. And every person has gone to war and worn this pocket watch was pretty lucky, except the dad. He was the first one that it didn't work for him. He didn't make it home. Well, because he didn't have the pocket watch because he gave it to his son. No, he had it on him. And then he gave it to Christopher Walken for safekeeping. Oh, okay. Yes. (laughs) So they get captured uh, well, no, Christopher Walken's character was a prisoner of war, and he was there for a couple of years. Christopher Walken kept the pocket watch safe, quote, in my ass. So he puts the pocket watch in his ass for years. And, <laughs> and he gets back to America. He would have to, like, shit it out, like, every time he had to go shit. Like, he would shit it out yeah. and have to put it back up in yeah. his ass. Yeah. Pocket watches are not small. This is gross. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> It, it, in its ass. So Christopher Walken hands the pocket watch to Butch. He's like, it, I brought it from your father in my ass, but now it's yours, Butch. This is your, like, righthood. <laughs> your birthright is to have this watch. And then uh, Butch wakes up, and the match is over. And Butch is scooting the fuck off from the match. But it's weird. He doesn't look that beat up. No, because he didn't take the dive in the fifth. He beat the fuck out of the dude and he won. And unfortunately, he killed the guy. So apparently Butch still got a good ass punch. And so he realizes, wow, I just double crossed Marcellus Wallace. Uh, I heard what happens when you double cross Marcellus Wallace. I got to skedaddle. (laughs) So he gets his money. Well, he calls the guy his bookie and tells him that, hey, I'll give you a call later, bud. Just w- thank you. So we're gonna get we're gonna get to getting. And so it's him and his girlfriend Fabienne, 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 Fabienne. Anyway, he he's like, did you get all this stuff from home? She's like, yeah, from the apartment. Yeah, I got everything. Did you get the pocket watch? She's like, yeah. You told me where it was. It's it was on this one thing. I got it. And he's going through his bag because he's gonna put the watch on. He put a strap on it, so now it's like a legit watch. And he's like, you see him like go through his bag once. He stops. He goes through the bag again. Then just flips the bag all the way over. And that's when you're like, oh, fuck. I really got to find this one thing. I've done that in bags. And I'm like, ah, I forgot my shoes. <laughs> um, I went to a wedding and I didn't bring my pants to my suit. And I was like, god damn it. And I had to wear. <laughs> Actually, the grooms, he had extra pants on him. So, yeah. No. What wedding was this? It was, yeah, it was that wedding. So <laughs> we kept that at because we may have things to say about that. But <laughs> he realizes that, God damn it, his girlfriend did not bring the fucking watch. And he gets loud and mad for a couple of seconds because rightfully, because uh, rightfully, God damn it, <laughs> girl, you're making me go back. And people want to kill me. He's like, I don't want to be in town anymore. And she doesn't understand. He doesn't really fully explain it to her because it would just slow everything down because she'd be terrified and stuff. I get it. I get it. But if I came in, I was like, Katie, make a bag. We got to fucking go. And she'd be like, oh, I wouldn't forget a damn thing. Yeah. Put that on me. This, this and this, please. And she's like, damn, I forgot it. God 
Damn it. Don't you put that on me. I I am a wonderful packer. We yes. don't forget shit. <laughs> yeah, especially when I pack things. When we got a skedaddle. So, <laughs> at this point, Butch takes uh, Fabian's car, his little tiny little, almost a pinto kind of thing, yeah. and scuttles back to his apartment. Pissed off. He parks like a block away. Because he knows people are going to be watching the apartment. Yeah. Hops some gates, and he takes like a back entrance in, going stupid slow. Gets into his apartment. Doesn't hear anything. The room doesn't look ransacked or anything. And he's like, well, shit. They ain't here. Grabs his watch. And he's like, well, since they ain't here yet, I'm going to make some fucking breakfast. And put some Pop-Tarts into the toaster oven. It's at this point where he glances into the kitchen and sees a submachine gun on the counter. And he's like, oh. Grabs a submachine gun. And then the restroom door opens. So there is a metaphor for restrooms in this movie. Every time someone goes to a restroom... That shit happens. Yeah. Life changes, usually for that person. So, the first restroom we saw, Vincent goes into the restroom, and his friend snorts heroin. So, it's like, oh, shit. (laughs) I gotta keep you alive. Vincent goes to the restroom, and he gets lit up by his gun. Vincent comes out, he looks at Butch, and he's like... You can see in his face, he's like, oh, fuck. And... I don't know if he's going to say don't shoot me, but they stood there for like three seconds. Pop-Tarts pop out, lights him the fuck up. Vincent is dead, y'all. And I was like, oh, man. Because, <laughs> you know. He's... Don't worry. He comes back in a later story. Yes, because it's all out of order. Later on, there's two more restroom scenes. There's one in the diner for sure. Mm-hmm. But yes. And also, for some reason, when you're in the restroom, you don't hear anything. And everything's completely quiet in there for you. Because he was not quiet in this apartment after he... I just started singing. So he'd have killed me. I'd have been like, ain't here. Kuna Matata, what a wonderful... As I'm eating a dry Pop-Tart trying to leave. So Butch, he has his watch. He's back in the car. Fuck yeah. Turn up. We made it, y'all. He puts the music on. He's driving home. He's like, yeah. And then, as he stops at a traffic light... He sees Marcellus Wallace crossing the street. He just came from a donut shop. Marcellus Wallace Wallace stops in the middle of the street, goes, motherfucker. And Butch is like, well, damn. And tries to kill him with his tiny little pinto car. Marcellus Marcellus Wallace, hey, he's Bing Rames, is fucking longer than this car. So he still gets hit by the car and goes over the top. And then Butch fucking crashes into like a light post. Uh, Something. Half a block away, yeah. I would say. It was like across the street, catty corner. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Hey, it's Kathy Griffith. She's like, oh my god, I saw that guy hit you with a car. I will totally like, like help you sue this man. He ran you over. Mm-hmm. Marcellus sits up and he's like, he looks over because she points. She's like, he's right over there. He's he didn't get away. Pulls out the biggest fucking gun and starts shooting at Butch. And Butch is like, oh my god, I gotta get out of this car. He's bleeding from the face. <laughs> And so, Butch starts his run, and he's limping away from Marcellus. Marcellus has a concussion, 100%, and he is shittily shooting everywhere. So, Butch hides in a pawn shop, and Marcellus walks in. Butch gets the gun away from Marcellus, starts beating the fuck out of him, because he's a boxer, so he's really good at punching. And he's punching Marcellus in the face and the chest, and he's like, yeah, that's pride fucking with you. And... Zed, the guy behind the bar, no, Maynard, he's Maynard, Zed pops up later, 
So Maynard's like, what's happening? What is this? And he's like, sorry, dude. You know, I'm just going to blow this dude's fucking brains out real quick. And he puts his foot on Marcellus's chest and puts his hand blocking right in front, like above the gun. Because he knows when he shoots him, because in this world, when you get shot, blood goes everywhere. So he's like, I don't want to be super bloody after I shoot this dude's face off. But Maynard pulls out a gun and he holds him up. And he's like, this is when uh, we get a couple of N-words. But he's like, you need to take your foot off that N-word. And then if I was in that situation, if I was Marcellus, I'm like, oh, he's not really in. He don't really care about me that much. He just don't want a dead body in here. And then Maynard knocks them both out locks the door and calls Zed and he's like yep I got two flies uh, uh two flies trapped in my web and I'm like that was a weird thing to say <laughs> as Butch goes to sleep so they wake up with gags in their mouth in the basement and Maynard and his friend Zed he looks like he's top flight security I don't think he's an actual cop cause I, th- I think he was yeah that makes sense whatever a cop that likes to do bad stuff, you know. That's right. Hey, that cop, he looks familiar, Otis. Yeah, he's a bad guy from The Mask. Not the Rocky Dennis one. The James, James Carey, sorry. That's what he was called back in the day. The Jim Carrey film. He's the one that gets the mask and he's all buff and scary with the hair. You know, hey, it's him. Um, I think at some point I'm going to say that that's Julie Roberts' brother. It's not. It looks a lot like him, but... I think he's been in one of his Tarantino films. Looks like Eric Roberts. To me, I thought I it disagree. Was. Well, you know, that's fine. Everybody can mess up. That's fine. <laughs> so Zed is in in the basement, and he's like, "Well, what do you want to do with him?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I got time." And then he's like, "Well, who who's first? And Zed starts doing any mini money mo. But then, just like any kid. You know, when you stop, you know, any me, me, mo, he's like, my mom said to pick this one right over here, but I'm going to pick this one right over here, which that you, you use the second part of the line, because if it lands on Katie, I'm like, oh, I wanted Bella. You do the extra part to switch. So Marcellus, he gets picked for whatever happens in the back room. Hooray. Good job, Marcellus. So <laughs> they're like. Well, we need someone to watch this other guy. And he's like, well, bring out the gimp. He's like, well, the gimp sleep. He's like, well, I guess you're going to have to wake him up. Now, won't you? And then they turn on the music. And this song, uh, Greg knows the absolute name of this song. So fun fact, Tarantino wanted to use my Sharona during this next upcoming scene, but it didn't work out. So the song that they used was Comanche. That's the name of the song. And... The Revels. The Revels? So the Revels. So that's the song. So all we see is Fing Rames in a room with a gag and the door closes and we just hear sounds and the music up really loud. So Butch gets out of his chair easily because he's a really strong guy and the Gimp is tied up watching him. I don't know what the Gimp was supposed to do because his mouth was covered, but Butch knocks the Gimp out with one punch and he runs up to the normal floor of this pawn shop and... He gets to the door. He's free. But then he stops. And he's like, fuck. I don't know what they're doing to Marcellus in there. Probably torturing him. I can't leave him. And I was like, what a good guy. Because I'm like, that dude wants you to wants to kill you. And you're like, man, I can't do it. 
So, Butch looks for a weapon while he's in there, and he starts with a hammer. He's like, no. He grabs a chainsaw. Nah, it's too heavy. And then he finds it. Oh, he grabs a bat also, but then he finds the real weapon of the day, a samurai sword up top. He grabs it, and he heads down to the basement. He opens the door. Holy guacamole. Zed is raping Marcellus Wallace. So, Quentin Tarantino, he said about this scene and just the fact that they had, you know, rape in it and male rape. It's just like, not the deer hunter. What's the one? Um, Deliverance. Deliverance. And people kind of got up at arms about this scene. He's like, I'm not even the first one to do man rape. Talk, talk about these three movies. Yeah. First, you dickheads. <laughs> He's like, my... And my rape's not even that bad. He's like, Deliverance is way worse than mine. And then we're like, oh, yeah, you're right. He's like, thank you. So anyway, yeah, butt rape in here. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, what's the problem with it? He's like, you know, they're bad guys. They rape. You wouldn't have to say anything to say if it was a woman getting raped in there. You wouldn't have been upset just because it's a dude and you feel weird about it. So, yeah. Thumbs up, Tarantino. Anybody can get raped. That's a weird sentence, Otis. Mm. But equal opportunity, I guess. So, Butch sneaks up on Maynard, slices him with the katana sword, and he turns away just like an awesome slash and just lets him quietly die behind him. And then, oh, the music ends. The whole song plays, and Zed is like looking at his gun, and he's like, and he tells him, he's like, yeah, go for the gun, Zed. He's like, ah, 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 And then, Marcellus Wallace, I've been saying his name wrong this whole, Marcellus Wallace. He stands up gigantic big ass Ving Rhames and pulls out a shotgun and shoots Zed in his mad libs. Where does he shoot him, Katie? The dick, because it's a Tarantino, Tarantino film. has a thing about it. You gotta get shot in the dick if you're in his movie. So, Zed's on the ground, bleeding, crying, and Marcellus tells Zed, uh, he calls him Hillbilly Boy, he's like, I'm gonna call some heavy pipe hitting inwards to come over here and we're gonna do some work on you bud <laughs> and he's like uh i think he says that he's gonna burn his dick off with a flame torch so and he's like no nah, don't die on me yet bud he's like we got lots to do <laughs> and butch asked marcellus he's like hey how what are we right now are we good and marcellus thinks about it for a second he's like okay here, here's it here's the deal thanks for saving me <laughs> you could have just ran off and i would have died uh, but you can't come back to L.A. Your L.A. privileges are gone. I don't know if he said California privileges, but I think he said, I wouldn't even go to that fucking state. But he said, you can't pop up anymore. If I find out you came back, you're dead. But right now, we're good. All your debts are whatever paid. You saved my life, bud. And he's like, and Butch starts walking off, and then he stops and looks back. And I feel there should have been a line there like, you you fine? You, you want some help? And then Bing Rames just puts his hand up like, bye. <laughs> and Butch leaves. He's like, man, I feel bad for that white boy. <laughs> He's going to get fucking tortured. But that's why you don't rape people, Zed. So Butch grabs Zed's keys to his chopper and rides home to his girlfriend. And man... They still have time to get to the train. Good for them. 
and the girlfriend's like, what's happening? Why are you bloody? And he's like, we gotta go, baby. I just, you know, and she starts crying because he, <laughs> he leaves to get a watch and comes back bloody. And he's like, I'm fine. Things happened, but we gotta get the fuck out of here. And he says, this is the weirdest fucking day of my life. But I love you. We gotta get to the train. And she's like, who's, who's, bike is this he's like it's a chopper she's like whose chopper is this it's zed who's zed zed's dead baby and they ride off favorite story <laughs> so yeah that's that's butch's story and he's like i gotta get the fuck out of la <laughs> so we jump back to when vincent and jules were in the apartment so they blow away everybody in the apartment except phil lamar oh no in the restroom last guy with a fucking python just a gigantic big stupid gun he bursts out of the bathroom shoots all the bullets at jules and vincent and they just stand there and they look down at themselves they look at the wall because all the bullets are behind them and then they blow the guy away so if you look at the wall it's not even like a movie where the bullets were just all crazy and everywhere no bullets were actually behind them like, to the point, now I understand, because every time I watch this movie, I was like, why is Samuel Jackson so hung up about this miracle that happened? You know, it's like, yeah, all the bullets missed us. No, the bullets went through them because of the holes in the wall. They actually went through them. And Jules is like, bro, that's a fucking miracle. Can we talk about this miracle that happened here? And he's like, he missed his bullets, man. And he's like, Vincent, God saved us right now. And he's like yeah whatever i guess you know and then jules starts to think about his life at this point because <laughs> he should have fucking died right then so now i know someone out there is like but right after they get the briefcase they head to the bar with marcellus yes but when they made it to the bar they were just wearing shorts and weird shirts like a college shirt and people ask him like what the fuck why are y'all dressed like that and he's like don't even ask man so we find out what the fuck happened. So, in the car, with their friend Marvin, Hayes Phil Lamar, Vincent, I don't know why, he's holding the gun. He's not, they're friends with Marvin, and Marvin told them that Brett was going to betray him and stuff. So, he's holding the gun, and he's talking to Marvin about... And he's waving it around. Yeah. When he talks. He's very expressive with his hands. Yeah. And he's going over the miracle, and Marvin's like, I don't know, I guess it was a miracle. He's talking about it. The gun goes off. Marvin's head explodes. <laughs> They're instantly covered with brain and blood everywhere. And he's like, God, why'd you shoot Marvin? He's like, I didn't. The gun went off. He's like, God damn it, man. <laughs> His brain's everywhere. Fuck. <laughs> so they realize that they, they got to get off the fucking road. They're, and they're far away from, like, their home base, basically. Yeah, so they, they, there's they're no in, they're way. They're in the valley, and they need to be in the hills, basically. Yeah. and there's no way they can get back home. And it's broad daylight. All it takes one person, like, is that man covered in blood? Is that blood? Yeah. And then, like, whoop, whoop. And then they're Yeah, they're, they're not in Marcellus's territory, so they're not safe. So they head to Jewel's friend, Jimmy. Hey, it's Quentin Tarantino. And this is... Well, no, it's the second one, because I think in almost every movie he's in it, and usually he dies. He didn't die in this one. I'm proud of him, because usually he makes himself get murdered in the worst his ways. His cameo was really small in this one. Yeah. I liked his cameo in this. Yeah, because in Better Death... Better than most of his other yeah, stuff. Yeah, because in Death Proof, he was a, a rapist zombie, and his dick melts off. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> but in this one, they come to his friend Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, bro... 
You, you cannot be here. Yeah, you're covered in blood, brains, you drove here, and that car is just fucked up. And My wife is going to be home from her night shift in like an hour. So Y'all got to get the fuck out. So Mar- they call Marcellus Wallace, and Marcellus is like, calm down, Jules. And he's like, I really can't calm down, dude, because everything's falling apart. He's like, I, I got, got it. Guy. I got it. And the wolf, Winston Wolf, is on his way. And they're like, oh, shit, you, you called the wolf? Hey, it's Harvey Keitel. Yay. I love when he's in these movies. So Harvey Keitel, he comes in. His job is to take care of shit. And so he gets there. Stupid fast. It's like, oh, it's, uh, you're 30 minutes away? I'll be there in 10. And hey, I don't know how the fuck you get through L.A. and get somewhere in 10 minutes. It's absurd. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> so that motherfucker was Movie magic. Scooting. Yeah, he was Movie scooting. magic is how you do it. I assume it's still kind of early, so maybe that's how he got there. So, but no, no, you post on Instagram that you're on the beach and you wait 20 minutes to post it so you've already driven 20 minutes away and then it seems like it's only been 10 minutes yeah when you got from quote the beach to wherever the fuck you're going <laughs> it like only that. took 10 minutes but you actually traveled like six hours you're fucking right about that <laughs> jesus man so vincent uh no winston vince winston vincent too much his okay. name is vincent now winston so, yeah he comes up with the plan he's like okay jimmy we need all the sheets you got all the towels, all the sheets, everything. Yeah. So, guys, I need you to wipe down this car. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just get the red. Kind of not as Clean red. Clean up the red. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to put the sheets down over the seats because my granny had a car and she had sheets over the seats because it would be really fucking hot in the summer. I have and blankets the in the, the back of my car um, to cover up my leather seats because the boys can't handle them. The kids can't handle them. Yeah. Where their legs dangle down from oh, their... Oh, yeah, uh, that'll eat you up. From their car seats. <laughs> They're like, the back of my legs are hot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> put a blanket down. Yeah. Back of my legs smell like bacon. I'm like, yeah, you're getting <laughs> cooked back there, Yeah, dude. you're burning because they're leather seats. <laughs> so they clean up to an extent the car. Jewel, uh, Jimmy is upset because they had to use all the sheets. Now, if Katie came home from work and she's like, where the fuck are the sheets? I'm like, funny story. <laughs> Uh, Terrell came over and his car was full of blood. And so we had to uh, fix it. Uh, Katie be like, that's a lot. And why is this car full of blood? Not a good story. <laughs> but anyway. Mm, I uh, wouldn't have to ask a question like that because you'd just order new sheets on Amazon. Oh, yeah. As soon as you used all the sheets. Like, yeah. As they're grabbing the sheets, I'm like, woo, Katie's going to be pissed for a little bit. Well, you but. just text me, <laughs> what kind of sheets do we use? And I would text you back, these ones. And then you'd buy like five No, of them, your next text just... would be, Why? <laughs> because we'd have to go a few days without sheets. We'd be like, why? No reason. Don't worry about be it. Be like, you probably try to get home early because like, I'm doing something stupid. Bitch, I need an answer. <laughs> question mark, question mark. I'm like, oh, shit. She might be home early, y'all. So anyway, they Jimmy's a little upset because they had to use all their sheets. And some of them were um, wedding like gifts. Yeah, it was like a blanket that his no longer with us great-grandma or something like knitted for them yeah but then winston brings up the fact that marcellus is a very cool guy and you did get you the solid for him so surely he'll pass off some money and he writes a check he's like yeah i wouldn't worry about that financially but okay yeah it's like it's probably not that expensive of stuff i would say so he's paid off they head to the junker so winston knows a guy and they hide the body in the trunk 
dispose of the bloody clothes. They spray down Vincent and Jules with a hose in the backyard. It, I know that f- fucking hose water is cold as balls when, you're not, when you don't want it to be cold. It's cold as fuck. When you need cold water, it's hot. So I know that shit was cold. And they're like, oh, shit, motherfucker. And so and he got brain in his hair. And he's like, spray my hair. It's got brains in it. So they take the car to the junkyard. Hooray. And Winston's like, hey, I'd give y'all a ride, but no. I'm going to take Julia Sweeney out on a uh, a brunch date. So, deuces. And scoots the fuck off. And Vincent and Jules take a cab. And they're like, do you want to get breakfast or something? He's like, yeah. I don't got nothing else going on in my life right now. I got to get ready for the date later. But, or, the not date. <laughs> so, this is before the heroin story. So, this is why I said it jumps around. So, at the diner, Jules tells Vincent, he's like, I think I'm done being a hitman. And he's like, why? He's like, because of the... act of God earlier, and then the blood in the car. He's like, God's telling us. He says us. He's like, God's telling us we need to quit, bro. He's like, he he gave us a gimme to get out of the game. And Vincent's like, no, we're going to talk about this later. I got to pee. But we're going to talk about this whole shit, man. Because, I mean, that's like his best friend. He's like, no, no. I don't want to work with someone new. I'd, I'd be like that, too. Greg's like, I'm doing it. I'm like, man, I'm about to get someone new, and they're going to be annoying. Like, stay, please. So as Vincent is in the restroom, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Hey, it's Tim Roth. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see the gang in these movies. And this is like the beginning where they're not the gang. But they hold the restaurant up. So at the beginning, beginning, beginning of the movie, we see two people in a diner talking about places you do and don't want to rob and so everybody's like oh we always go for banks because it's all the money but you know what a good place is to rob a restaurant because no one wants to be a fucking hero in there and there's tons of money if you go at the right time that's a question mark honestly not current restaurants yeah but even, everything even, is done in, everyone pays in, in cards so there's no cash there yeah and even then it was like early and well maybe probably around like what 10 ish i would say when well, they're, if they're, they're in there? if they're a diner, they've already had the morning. Oh, they're rush. probably twenty four seven. A diner in a, a diner in L A at ten in the morning in the nineties probably made some money. A lot of fucking cash in. Yeah, it because, you're right about that. I mean, even though they're only peddling like four dollar breakfasts, like they sold you know hundreds of four dollar breakfasts already at this. point. That's true. Yeah. So, and they say that the place has tons of money. We just close the door off for now. And, yeah, everybody's going to be like, fuck this noise. I don't care. And the boss should be like, fuck this noise. I don't care. Take the money. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And so they're like, let's rob his place. And his girl's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Honey Bunny's like, fucking go. And that's how the movie starts with Miss Relu in the background. So they hold the place up and they get a bag and they are going to everybody like, give me your wallet. Drop your wallet in. Drop your wallet in. Jules, at this point, is sitting at the table. He understands what's happening. He picks up the briefcase, puts it at his side, puts his hand on it, kind of like maybe covering it, but he knows. It, yeah. But he knows they're gonna see it. It's a fucking briefcase. And so, the guy comes. Pumpkin comes up, and he's like, "Give me your wallet." He drops the wallet in the bag, and he's like, "What's in the briefcase?" And he's like, "I can't." It doesn't belong to me. Yeah. I cannot give it to you. It's not mine, dude. I can't I can't give it to you. And he holds the gun up to him. He's like, you're going to die for the briefcase? He's like, dude, you caught me at a weird time in my life. Any other time, I would fuck you up right now. 
but you're getting a gimme, mm -hmm. and you're not going to die today, as long as we work this the fuck out right now. And so, Pumpkin kind of looks away for half a second, and Jules pulls out his gun. He's like, we can like leave right now, and no one be dead, or we can just air this out, and I really don't want to anymore. And then Vincent pops out with his gun, aiming at Pumpkin, or at Honey Bunny, actually. He's like, I know you don't want to die. And Honey Bunny's freaking out. And Samuel Jackson says, tell your girl be cool. Say, bitch, be cool. And he's like, Honey Bunny, be cool. He's like, no, say, bitch, be cool. <laughs> and he's like, bitch, be cool. And she's like, I got to pee. <laughs> so he, exp he starts talking about life and stuff. And he's like, hey, hand me my wallet real quick. And he's like, which one's your wallet? He's like, the one that says badass motherfucker on it. And... Fun fact, Samuel Jackson's lightsaber in Star Wars actually says badass motherfucker on it. Because mm -hmm. why not? <laughs> so he gets his wallet back. He takes the money out of it. And he's like, hey, look at this money I have. And if you grab the money out of the register, that's a pretty good start. And look, you didn't die today. So please get the fuck out of here. And Pumpkin looks at Honey Bunny and they're like, yeah, we should leave because this dude, we would have died. If if they caught Samuel Jackson and John Travolta on a, any other day, they'd have died. They'd have got lit up. Yeah. Well, plus the guns that Samuel Jackson and John Travolta have here are just like ginormous. Oh, yeah. The fucking barrel on both of their guns is like a full like 12 inches long. And the guys that are robbing the two, the couple that's robbing the diner, they have like little tiny six shooters. Like Yeah. Teeny tiny, like, no one's scared of this but regular people. Like, yeah. these hitmen do not give a fuck. Yeah, cheap-ass guns. Yeah. So, yeah. They they leave. And Samuel Jackson says that, I'm, I'm done being a hitman, dude. Like, I'm going to just travel the world, help people out, do the opposite of what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And John Travolta, as they leave the diner, uh, they put the guns in their little short little waistbands. And they like, well, we should probably leave. <laughs> there was a, a hold up and we're not these guns probably aren't registered we should probably skedaddle he's like yeah you're right and John Travolta tells him he's like we're gonna talk about this dude he's like we're not done with this conversation of you leaving and so obviously John, if John Travolta was like that was a miracle dude maybe we should stop he probably wouldn't have been in Butch's apartment waiting to kill him and he wouldn't have got shot and killed because Jules wasn't there. Mm -hmm. It would have been both of them waiting on him. And actually, Butch would have died probably because they both wouldn't have been in the restroom. And Jules or Vincent would have been like, oh, shit, it's him. And they would have killed Butch. So, hey, Absolutely. look at that. Every So God is like, man, if I do this one thing, I can save so many more people. And then they can stop the rapists that are at that pawn shop. He's like, hey, I just lose John Travolta. Eh, it's fine. So that's that's how the world works in Tarantino films, you know. Get a little bit of rape, but then the world gets saved. So that is Pulp Fiction. So Katie, who is your favorite character in Pulp Fiction, or you do favorite story, or just your favorite thing of this movie? My favorite character in this movie um, was the Wolf, Harvey Keitel. Uh, I love fucking Harvey Keitel. In uh, in this movie. He's just so fucking good. 
He comes in, no nonsense. He's like, everybody needs to listen to exactly what I'm about to say. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like, this dude's wife is coming home in, like, we got 70 minutes. Y'all need to hurry the fuck up. I don't want to hear any <laughs> questioning. Just do what I have to say, and we will get out of here, and his wife will not know anything, won't know anything that had happened at all, okay? So get it the fuck together, and that's exactly how I approach life, like, when I get into a situation that is, I mean, I've never been in this situation, because that's wild as hell, but in a situation that needs a lot of direction, like, I have no problem just jumping in and be like, okay, you go here, you do this, you do that, you do that, like, I'm a doer in that way. But I love that, seeing that in Harvey Keitel's character here. Um, and just the whole way, that, like, the way he popped up, left the party that he was at, popped up at this situation, cleaned up their entire, like, horrible mess, and then just left without a so much as a, like, deuces. He was just like, yeah. okay, bye. He's probably getting paid good, so he's Yeah, like he would just, like... Full on, drove that car away that was all just filled with brains. and was like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was really cool in this movie. Yeah. So I went with Jules and Vincent, obviously. Their story is really fun. And they, like I said, they talk like they're fucking real friends with a little bit of a nudge toward Jules. This, this is his story, honestly. Like, the bigger percentage of this is his story. Everything kind of revolves around him realizing that he shouldn't be killing people that much um but no i love this movie fun fact Lawrence fishburne was the first person that was going to be jules that have been weird and i'm i still would have been scared of him because of what's love got to do with it so. not as good Lawrence fishburne is good but he's not samuel jackson good yeah and then john travolta's character was actually originally going to be daniel day lewis interesting yes I, oh, I don't think we said it yet, but Vincent Vega is officially the brother of Vic Vega from Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So, yeah, I I love them together. They were really, really, like, awesome. I, I love these characters. And so, like I said, Samuel Jackson is probably, like, a good luck charm to Tarantino. That's probably why he keeps bringing them into movies. There wasn't a big role for him in Kill Bill, but he was in the second volume. He was the piano player at the wedding that did not happen for the bride because everyone gets shot. So he's in there. You hear his voice and you kind of see the side of his face. But yes, he gets lit up in it. So he's been in almost all of his movies, but it's really fucking cool. So, but no, I absolutely love them together. So who was your least favorite character, Katie? Easily, Zed the rape cop. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> like, this whole movie is, everyone's kind of twisted and has their own, like, weird shit. But Zed the Rape Cop is fucking awful. He comes in gun blazing, just N-words all over the place. And he immediately just, like, oh, you know what I want to fuck right now? The giant black dude. That's what we're going to do right now. And takes him to a back room, cranks up the music, and rapes this fucking giant, like, mob boss. It's just like, what the fuck? Oh, Bruce Willis and uh, Ving Rhames getting, like, their, com their whatever it is, on them. Their revenge on the two, like, rapey dudes. Fire. That was 
the best part of this movie. Yeah, because well, Butch's story is like my favorite story because it's so absurd. Like ninjas, swords, rapists. You know, you never get that really in stories together. But yeah, Zed's Zed's the worst. And even though Marcellus is a bad person, he's not a good person. No one deserves to get raped. Yeah. So. Uh, no, Zed, he got his... I'm curious what happened. I, I bet if you ask Quentin Tarantino, like, hey, you ever thought about what they did to him? He'd be like, oh, yeah, they probably burnt his dick off and could fucking cut his head off and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I always wanted to know. But they for sure cut his dick off. And he's like, you're not fucking nobody else with that. So, <laughs> guarantee, I, yeah, if I got raped and we caught the deal, I'm like, yeah, that dick's coming off, bud. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're having a bad day. But no, nah, the rapists, they were the worst. Yeah. I can't yeah. think of anybody else that's even close to them. No. No, rape is far worse than... Which is weird, because, like, this whole movie is just full of murderers. Like, they're just... Yeah, it's all bad people. It's like people murdering each other. Um, but somehow rape is worse. Yeah. It's worse. Well, that's the thing. When you have bad people dealing with bad people, you gotta, like, up what is bad yeah but it's interesting that rape which typically does not kill a person is in our minds at least worse than killing people well i think it's the whole thing with sex is so taboo to the world or well, america to america yeah so it's well like, i mean oh rape is awful and rapists should get murdered oh so. absolutely i'm just saying we, you know, we see people get shot all the time like oh he died but it's like Hey, they're raping that guy. Boo! You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it hurts more, I guess. Which yeah. is a shame and shows how our world works. Only the political system felt that way. Because women get raped all the time and nobody gives a fuck. You're right. It's bullshit. That's what it is. If I was president, there'd be more people with samurai swords. That's how you stop the rapists. <laughs> you chop that's them up. That's not. That's... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, that's the pro-gun argument over here. My pro-sword argument. Well, yes. Everyone gets a sword. (laughs) But same thing. Good guys with swords are going to take down the bad guys with swords. Oh, my God. Just sword fights in the street. Oh, shit. That'd be cool and scary. Um, But no. Boo on rapists. Better than gunfights in school. You fucking right about that. If a crazy guy comes in with a sword, like, we could probably take him. Someone's going to cut a little. He kills. He maybe cuts one person before everyone's like, yo, that guy's got a giant knife get away from him oh my god that sword is gigantic he didn't, <laughs> he didn't just shoot 17 people in the span of 15 seconds right oh my god help me with that guy with the sword yeah <laughs> so let's do seven word synopsis so i'm i'm doing something different y'all usually i write these down but i'm coming off the cuff with it off the cuff so my first one is bring out the gimp he said what the first time i watched <laughs> first time i watched it because i know what a fucking gimp is and i was like he he said gimp what and then you know when the gimp comes out i'm like oh no (laughs) that man's in a leather suit this ain't good and then divine intervention sprinkled with awesome soundtrack yeah fuck (laughs) it was six shit katie okay uh one actual synopsis and then two direct quotes uh, Marcellus's lackey's adventures in working for him. That's what this whole movie is. Ooh. Um, and then quotes because the, they were just Samuel Jackson. It was just fire in this movie. Uh, 
English motherfucker, do you speak it? <laughs> and this is some fucked up, repugnant shit. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> repugnant. What yeah. a great word. <laughs> yeah. Samuel Jackson's character had the best lines in this movie for sure. I like that. Repugnant. Mm-hmm. That's a sweet ass word. So, this film came out... In 1994, but the month was October 14th, 1994. Halloween film. Fun. Pretty fucking scary if you tell me. But what do you think the budget was for this awesome, awesome film? Eight million. Hey, look at that. That's the sound when you nice. hit it. Eight million dollars. What do you think the box office was? 30 million. You cute? 213 million dollars. See, I assumed that this film was the one... That made him super famous, but uh, again, made him famous like afterwards, like not in the theater. So I just assumed it did decent in theater, like 30 million, yeah. and then so, just made all of its other money from late screenings yeah. and re screenings and things like that. So, in between the two years from Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs was getting big, and then when Pulp Fiction came out, they're like, oh. It's that dude that did the Reservoir Dogs movie. And people were like, Reservoir Dogs? So when this movie came out, it had a pretty good groundswell. Everyone went to see this. And they're like, oh shit. And then they went back and saw Reservoir Dogs. Then, oh shit. Tell their friends. People watched both of them. So it absolutely exploded. And it was a really cool one-two punch. Which I guess is what some people aim for. You know, it's like, oh, Katie's third film is the one that got her on the map. And if people go back and watch the older ones, they're like, damn, they're yeah. just as good, you know? But, you know, sometimes directors these days, like Jordan Peele, his first film was a banger. And he didn't have to <laughs> show off his, like, 15 well, older things. the reason so. he didn't have to do that was because he was already famous. True. That he is true. He was already... But he was famous for something different. But still yeah, famous. Yeah, but everyone, but everyone went to go see that first film, like, oh, a comedian making a horror film. Like, it's... It's either going to be really fucking good or really fucking bad. We need to go see it. Yeah. And then the first, you know, six hours of that movie being out, it like shattered all these records and the reviews online were like, holy fuck, that was a good ass movie. You know, then it just blew the fuck up. If this movie had come out at the, if Pulp Fiction had come out at the time of um, social media. Oh, man. Make like a billion dollars. Everyone. (laughs) Think about all the memes and. Like people using emojis, they're like, uh, <laughs> it's like Bruce Willis when he opens up the door in Zed's back do- back uh, office, and it's like the the emoji of the covering the eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, the memes would have been absurd. About yeah, that. So it's it's dictated by social media, so yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. uh, oh, Wilhelm scream. I can't remember one, but I'm going to say there probably is a Wilhelm scream in this movie. It's got to be one. I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> you hear that, Greg? <laughs> I care about the Wilhelm scream, but we watched this movie a while ago, so I'm not going to like go back and watch it again to find a Wilhelm scream. Like I don't have time for that. Kay's like, pause the podcast. I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> I don't have time for that. But no, this is a fun one. So, you know, with his playlist of movies at this point, I would say 
if you were going to watch one or two of them, I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his newest one. And I would say, so good. I would say Pulp Fiction, honestly. It's, it shows his zaniness and madness in films. And it's just a little bit different, but a lot the same, honestly. But they're probably the best two to get in. And they're, they're the gateway Tarantino films. Because, you know, I, oh, maybe Django. I'd probably show somebody Django if they'd never Django. seen a Tarantino film. Like, watch this one. <laughs> Django is really good. Yes. But if I had to pick, I'd probably, this one and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are absolute gateway Tarantino films. And then after they get into it, they're like, man, this dude's pretty good. Okay, now we'll show you Inglorious Bastards, the one with Hitler on fire. Oh, you know, so good. You know, you, get, you gotta ease them into that. Not gonna start with Hitler on fire, because that's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty solid. So, I don't know if that's a good one to start with. It's a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess. Better than starting with fucking Death Proof. Yeah. That, that's very much a, I've been in this game long enough. I understand what I'm about to Death watch. Death Proof's gotta be like the last movie you watch of all of his films. Because it is the fucking wildest as far as... Possibly? Wild shit goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's up there. Death Proof is a lot. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about Pulp Fiction? No, it's really good. Um, if you've avoided it for this long like I have, do yourself a favor and stop avoiding it. Watch it. It's really good. Yeah. Solid movie, solid movie. I, I don't know. I don't want another one. Fuck it, leave it alone. But don't make more. I want more. I want more absurdity like this in L.A. Honestly, and I guess we kind of got that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely, we did. <laughs> so, make westerns. I need Bounty Law. Do it, please. Oh my God, yes. With oh God, please. Please be, bring back Rick Dalton. Make Please. a movie where Rick Dalton meets Django. Fuck a duck, I want That's that so bad. That's what I want so oh bad. Even though they don't take place in anywhere near the same time. Rick Dalton's actual character. Like, not not, not Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton the actor, but Rick Dalton as a different character that he's oh. playing. What if it's Django's son and it's just Jamie Foxx again? Hmm, I guess. Because what's the time period? I don't know what Bounty Law is supposed to be. It's the West, but... Because Django's after... No. Django's after the Civil War. Or during... During slash... Right after the Civil War. Which is the same time as... The movies that Rick was making... Okay. Would have taken place at the same oh, time. Oh, right on. We don't have to fuck around with it. And bring Zorro in it, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, now, I want a fucking modern Zorro movie. Yeah, now, I, I think Zorro has to be, like... A son or Antonio Banderas is just old as fuck in it. I think that's before all of those movies, I think. I would love a movie where they connect that, like, Mm -hmm. Zorro's great-grandson is El Mariachi. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) just give it to me. Multi-universe, like, crossover, but I would love, like, Zorro you know, time jumps or something or El Mariachi like goes back in time somehow and meets his great grandpa Zorro. Like, oh my God. And it's just Antonio Banderas, old Antonio Banderas looking, talking to a new actor who looks just like young Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Oh. No, I would, I would enjoy it. He said, he has verbally said out loud, trying to get it going, that he wants to do a Zorro Django film. He wants to do yes. it. 
but he don't. Oh, Zoro is so cool. Yeah, but he don't own Zoro, so he's got to like work that out. Oh, but he wants to do it. Disney owns Zoro, and or as far as I know, they still Ooh, own Zoro. They should. They should. Well, no. If yeah. Disney owns it, they probably didn't give it away. Yeah. Well, because Disney owned Disney owned it for a long time. Then Disney owned it because those movies that came out with Antonio Banderas and mm. Catherine Zeta Jones, those were Miramax films when Disney owned Miramax. Yeah. But Disney doesn't own Miramax anymore. Mm. So I'm curious if Miramax still owns the rights to Zorro. But I, oh. I doubt Disney would have sold it. I doubt Disney would have sold the rights. So yeah. Disney probably still has it, but I would well, love. Well, I mean, they have their own version of Zorro, Puss in Boots. That's not Disney. Oh, it's not. No, Damn. that's DreamWorks. That's straight oh, out of the Shrek universe. Oh, okay. I was like, that, well, they got Antonio Banderas for it. So I was like, we got our own Zorro. It's a no. cat, dude. We're good. No, we need, I mean, there is a new Puss in Boots movie coming out. Yeah. But, no, I want new Zorro. I would love Zorro to yeah. meet up with Django. That'd be good. Oh, my God. And then he would absolutely put Rick in there. Rick would pop, it'd probably be like a cameo or he'd help them out. Rick would pop up and be like, "Oh yeah, the character that Rick is like, Rick oh, plays a oh, historical character, or right? Django, but it's like a real person. Or Django just knows the guy. He's like, "Hey man, I don't know if we can do this just me and you." And he's like, "I know a guy." And then Rick pops up and he's like, "Oh Django, how's it going?" And he's like, "It's gonna get wild in there, Rick." He's like, "Nah, we got this." And then they but go it's in. like Rick's great grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Or Rick's grandpa from the 1800s. Yeah. I'm, He's an actual cowboy. I'm fucking in. Gunslinger. That'd oh my God. Fucking good. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry. We, we, we gushed over Django, but. And Zorro. Yes. I love Zorro. Please, yeah. somebody make a decent new Zorro movie. It is fucking shame that we don't have one. Shit, like, Hayek is going to be in. Talking it. about original fucking Mexican heroes. Okay? Zoe Bell's going to be in. It. Uma Thurman, hopefully she pops up in that Zorro I movie. I don't need any of them in it. Get a, it's no. Tarantino. They're going to be in it. Just let it happen. No. Uma, it no. Happen. There's going to be some feet. Uma Thurman but, but, wasn't in Django. Neither was Selma Hayek. Uh, Neither was Zoe Bell. I, none I, of them. Get out of here. Well, she was for a second. She got shot. Oh, okay. well, whatever. No, but, none of that. But anyway, if you have any cool like thoughts about casting of our Zorro Django film, you can tweet us at Allentown Pod. We have an email. It is. Allentownpresents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook at Allentown Presents. So, like I said, we are continuing our journey into Tarantino month. More feet, more N-words, more explosions. Mm. So, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. That was a good tagline. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. So, no, it's it's a fun world. You forgot dick shots. No, you're right. Penis is just imploding on themselves. It's like a hot dog in the microwave too long. <laughs> That's probably what they look like. That's in, a horrible image inside to put of the in pants. all of our male listeners I like just sitting heads. there like, oh no, because they instantly know what the fuck that means. They're yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry for everyone's oh. like instant pain that they felt in their crotch area for right. that. Oh balls, but no, Tarantino. Like I said, one of my favorite directors of all time because he makes a good ass fucking western. So keep it up, bud. Keep it up. I love you. Make a Zorro film, please, man. Get, let him do it. Let him do it. It'll be good, please. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another Tarantino film. Okay, bye guys. Bye. louder, come on. <laughs> Don't stop. Let's keep it going. On the stereo. Let it go, let it go, here we go. Okay, bye guys.
Bye. <laughs>